Welcome, and this is the Valley View Friends Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Thank you for joining us. We are so glad that you are listening in today. As God's people, we are concerned with reaching and restoring hearts and homes with Jesus. If you want to learn more about our church, look us up on our website at valleyviewfriendschurch.org. Please subscribe to always get the next podcast. Well, I wanted to start today with a word of thanks for everyone's patience and prayers. Uh, You may or may not know that I and my family came down with COVID uh, just after Christmas. Uh, The whole family did, and actually several people in our church did as well. Uh, So thank you for the prayers. Thank you for the well wishes. Uh, On the whole, I had a mild case, but I will say it was the sickest that I've ever been in my life. Uh, It appears as though uh, most in our church who were sick had mild cases as well. Uh, And after an unplanned week off in our worship service, we are resuming in-person worship. Um, Myself, recording this podcast, uh, this will be the most that I have spoken consecutively since getting sick a couple weeks ago. So you might hear some congestion or a little bit of garble in my throat, and I'll do my best to edit out any coughs that may happen, as I always seem to have a lingering cough whenever I have something going on in my chest. So... With that, let's get into the sermon today. What's in a name? Names are important. They're very important. A name can inadvertently set the course for a person's life. You can think of uh, Johnny Cash's song, A Boy Named Sue. That humorous song about a boy had a harder life because of the name that uh, he had to fight to defend. I was online, and I was looking for... lists of strange baby names, and there are strange baby names to be found. And so here are some names that children were actually registered for. Um, Yeah, some of these I just have a hard time believing. First name that uh, people were registered for was simply A, B, C, D, E. Yeah, first five letters of the alphabet. Records showed in 2017, 373 girls were given this name. Wow. One step better, maybe, is the name Alphabeta. I I guess instead of doing those first five letters, we can kind of make a name out of the alphabet, Alphabeta. Another name, quite a strange baby name, Erica. Uh, Let me spell that one out for you. A-I-R as in air, and Reca, W-R-E-C-K-A. So kind of like air, rec, uh, and yes, it's meant, to, it's meant to sound like Erica, but I wouldn't want to fly on an airplane with a name like Erica. <coughs> Here's another name, Sem, Semaj. I pronounced some of these incorrectly. I'm sorry about that. Semaj. Let me spell that name out for you again. S-E-M-A-J. It's actually, Semaj, the name James backwards. Who would have thought of that? But they did. Yes, there are children who are named arson. Not Carson, not Larson, but for the criminal act of setting something on fire. And yes, there are children with a registered name, (laughs) Felony. Between the years 1880 and 2019, just five children were named Carrion. Yes, the name carrion, or the word carrion, which is the word we use to describe the decaying flesh of dead animals. And yes, children have been named chaos. Now, life with kids might feel like chaos, but we shouldn't invite it in. 
Children were registered with the name ESPN, and yes, Velveeta, and should it even surprise us, children have been registered with the name Hashtag. And last one I'll mention, children have literally been named God's Masterpiece. Yes, actually written in as the first name is God's Masterpiece. At least this one speaks the truth. We are all God's Masterpiece. But maybe our name shouldn't be so blunt about it. Our names say a lot about who we are. Sometimes we feel like our name says everything about who we are. Maybe that's good, maybe that's bad. Today we're going to read from the Gospel of Luke about the baptism of Jesus. Luke's version of the baptism is very short, but a few things are made clear. Everyone is trying to figure out who the name Christ belongs to. And they have the name or title, they have the Christ, that title, but they're just trying to figure out the person that goes with it. Beyond the name Christ, the baptism of Jesus gives us a lesson in meaning. That is to say, all kinds of people are expressing how they feel about the Christ. The crowd is desperate to know him. John the Baptist feels he's unworthy of him. Herod imprisons John over the message of the Christ. But most importantly, God affirms Jesus and he speaks pleasure over him. There is meaning imparted in the baptism of Jesus. What God declares about Jesus is far more important than what anyone thinks about Jesus. God declares, and what he declares is all that matters. What God declares is truth and eternal. All that the crowd can do is guess, and their opinion lasts for a moment. But God declares who Jesus is, and that is where meaning is found. In the year 2022, probably the most important question you will ever wrestle with is, who am I? That's the cultural question of our day. Who am I? Do I matter? Does my life have meaning? Our world is furiously trying to answer that question, but it offers answers from all the wrong places. Your identity must come from somewhere outside of yourself, from a source that lasts. In other words, your identity Your name, your meaning can be of real depth, power, and worth. If you want it to have real depth, power, and worth, it must come from God. This is completely the opposite of what our culture tells us to do. Our culture says, well, you got to find yourself. You got to be yourself. But it just does not work that way. Our meaning and identity must come from God. What God says about our name is what matters the most. His declaration is true, powerful, and more enduring than anything we will ever face in life. Can you hear God's declaration of who Jesus is in our text today? And from that, I need you to hear who God says you are. So let's read from Luke chapter 3, verses 15 through 22. As the people were in expectation, and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ, John answered them all, saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he preached good news to the people. 
But Herod, tetrarch, who had been reproved by him for Herodias, his brother's wife, and for all the evil things that Herod had done, added this to them all. He locked up John in prison. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased." This passage of scriptures is passage of scripture is full of characters and it's full of information. We have the crowd and the crowd is full of expectation. They desperately want to know who the Christ is. Now, the, the text does kind of say that they want to know who John is, but what we really find is that they want to know who the Christ is. They want to be back in a right relationship with God. They're looking for the Christ. The text has a character of John. And we're told that he's carrying out his ministry, he's preaching good news, and he's baptizing. And John tells us a lot about Christ. He says that Christ is much greater than John is, and that Christ will baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire, and that Christ will judge, and somehow all of that will be a message of good news. It doesn't always feel like good news, but it is. The passage has the character of Herod. He doesn't like the message of John. And the message of John is a message about Christ. And he tries to put a stop to John. He arrests John, but Herod cannot stop Jesus. Remember that. Jesus is a character in our story. He's willing to be baptized by John. And God the Father speaks affirmation and blessing over him from heaven. Actually, Luke's account of Jesus' baptism actually tells us very little about Jesus' baptism. All he really says is that after he was baptized and was praying, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit descended and God spoke. We're not told if anyone else could see the Holy Spirit descend or if anyone else could hear the voice of God. It does seem to be clear to us that Jesus knew what was happening. Perhaps there's a few quick lessons for us in this passage, we could just touch on real fast, and then we'll get back into knowing who we are in God. Well, one, we need to be like the crowd. Now, for all the flaws of the crowd, how they seem to be wishy-washy, how uh, the crowd can't really contain the thoughts of all the individuals, the crowd is waiting in expectation for God to move. And the crowd is willing to go just about to any length to deepen their relationship with God. They're willing to follow John out into the desert to practice uh, baptism, which would have been an unheard of ritual for the Jewish people. The crowd hungers for God and they chase after him and we should be like that too, hungering for God so much that we're willing to do just about anything to be in a better relationship with him every day. We need to be like John. He counted Jesus as more important than himself. His words are this, one is coming whose hands or whose sandals I am unworthy, I am not worthy to untie. Uh, The whole nation of Israel was listening to John, yet he saw himself as less important than Jesus. We would benefit from some of this humility. You see, we often guard ourselves too closely. 
We say things to ourselves like, well, I deserve respect. I deserve happiness. I deserve achievement and notoriety. Or we say things like, don't judge me. Don't tell me what to do. I know myself better than anyone else. Those are not the words of humility. But if we follow John, then we'll say, there is one greater than I who knows more than I do, who has a way that is better than my way. Will you be willing to be humble like John? And we need to be like Jesus. You know, that's an idea that I think a lot of people like. Let's be like Jesus. And they'll say, because Jesus loved everyone. And he cared about outsiders. And he disrupted the, the power holders of his time. We like that part of Jesus. But Jesus also endured hardship. You might not see hardship at the baptism of Jesus. But what happens after what happens at the baptism of Jesus shows us how Jesus could handle everything that comes afterwards, everything the whole world is about to throw at him. The crowd may desperately want to know who the Christ is now at the baptism of Jesus, but at the end of the gospel, the crowd wants to kill Jesus because they think he's the Messiah, King of the Jews. Jesus will minister to grateful people and ungrateful people. He will have devoted followers and half-hearted disciples. He will have powerful enemies. He'll be welcome and unwelcome on the flip of a coin and the uh, just in a moment's notice it can switch. And he faces the cross. And he goes to that cross even when the people around the cross hate him for it. How can Jesus deal with such a roller coaster of a ministry? It's because of who he is, because of his name, because of what the Father says when Jesus is baptized. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. Those words make the difference when Peter denies Jesus. Those words from the Father make the difference when the crowd just wants bread and fish and not salvation. Those words make the difference when Jesus is being scourged by the Roman soldiers as they get ready to crucify him. Those words tell Jesus who he is, and he can stand on God's name for him no matter what happens. God does not promise easy life, but he promises that the Christian will be his precious son and daughter no matter what. Names are important. We, we realize this, and I need you to think about this today. Names are important. Reputation is important, but even more is God's name for you, God's meaning for you. What he says about you matters. You know, we live in a world where if a business wants to be successful, it needs to have a good brand recognition. I can guarantee you that a good portion of you have heard and even used of Jerry's guide to the World Wide Web. Now, perhaps you never thought of it that way, Jerry's guide to the World Wide Web, but that's what the original name for Yahoo was. And I know you have all, whether you knew it or not, or wanted it or not, have used Backrub. That's another internet service. In fact, it's a search engine that has its current name as Google. It's amazing the power that can be put into a name. For a long time, chefs were trying to get people to eat the Patagonian toothfish. They thought, well, this is such a tasty fish. People will love it. But when people would see the name Patagonian toothfish on the menu, they'd go, I'll pass on that one because who wants to eat a toothfish, right? 
So they renamed it to the Chilean sea bass. And so now you hear people say, oh, yes, I'll have the sea bass all the time. Names are important. We worry about identity theft. We worry about the popularity of our name in social media. We worry or we have a name that's uh, given to us by our parents. We talked about that. Uh, in, our, in our schools, our peers, both friends and adversaries tell us who we are, whether we're in or out or athletic or nerdy or etc. Then we take on a name from our career. So many people call me Pastor Josh. That's fine. But it's not really my identity. So many people will say, well, I'm a manager, I'm a business owner, I'm a homemaker, I'm a caregiver. We, we take identity from our careers, what we do. It's amazing how much in this world we let define us. And we all add that weight, good or bad, to our name. But at the baptism of Jesus, everybody has an opinion about Jesus but only the voice, the only voice that matters is God the Father in heaven. He says, you are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. So what others think, how successful Jesus may or may not feel, how popular he is or isn't, all takes a back seat to the voice of the Father. And so that's my question for you. Will you let God's declaration of who you are fill your life and your mind? I want to take a few moments and read several Bible verses that speak about who the Christian is. If you're a Christian, this is what God says about you. Now, some of these are true for all people, Christian and non-Christian alike. But these are the promises, the meaning that God puts into the life of the Christian. So I want to read several verses because we need to be reminded over and over because the world has so many messages for who we are. You need to be reminded what the Bible says, what God says about who you are, what you mean. Genesis 1.27 says this, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. I love this little verse of scripture. It is so foundational for how we should see ourselves. It tells us that God created us. We are his design, his handiwork, meaning you are no accident. You are here because God wants you to be here. And you have God's image in you, his fingerprints, his signature is built into you. You are precious. Romans 5, 8 tells us this, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Yes, this passage tells us that every person is a sinner, but also that every person is loved by God and loved so much that Jesus died for us. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You are a new person in Christ. Ephesians 2.10 For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. When you hear that verse, you need to hear that you are carefully made by God, and you were created for good and good works. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. 
You are chosen. You are wanted. You are royalty in God's family. And John, 1 John 3, 1 tells us this, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. So yeah, 1 John 3, 1 tells us that we're part of God's family. We're His son or daughter. We are family and a part of His family. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Do you not know that you are God's temple? That God's spirit dwells in you? We're being told here that you are so special, you are so wonderful and worthy and precious to God, that you are his holy dwelling place. Do you believe that about yourself? Romans 8.37 says this, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. It can be hard to feel like you're winning at life. God's promise to you is that you are winning at life. You are overcoming into eternity. Romans 8.1 There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Lots of people can look down on you or judge you. You can even be hard on yourself. But for the Christian, there is no condemnation, at least where it really counts. So this is all just the tip of the iceberg of what the Bible says about who you are. The question is, is are you willing to hear this voice? Are you willing to hear God's word? Are you willing to listen and take that into your life? Why is all this important? Uh, For a lot of reasons. Here's one. David Lamas captures it well in writing these words. He says, identity drives motivation, and motivation drives action, and action drives results. For example, if someone speeds past me at 90 miles per hour on the highway, odds are I won't chase them down and issue a ticket. I don't have an identity that says I'm a police officer, so I have no motivation to act on it. A police officer, on the other hand, does have that identity and therefore has the motivation to take action, chasing down the speeder, and to get results, issuing a ticket. Every action we take in life has a sense of identity behind it. How we see ourselves matter, and our actions have our sense of identity behind them. So when you, the way you treat others, the way you treat yourselves, how you conduct yourself at school or with friends or at work or with family, will all come from your identity and your identity in Christ. C.S. Lewis in The Four Loves says this, Do not let your happiness depend on something you may lose. And I fear we live in a world where a lot of people have built their happiness on stuff that's very temporary. Today, I'm asking you to place your happiness, your identity, your meaning on the one who never changes in Jesus Christ. Some of you need to let go of people or voices or things you've accomplished because you've been trying to get your self-worth from them. Place your identity, your name, in the promises of God. It will make all the difference in your life. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, help us to hear clearly your proclamations about who we are, that we are your handiwork, that we're loved by you, that we're precious to you. Lord, it is too easy to hear the noise of this world, to listen to the voices of the people around us, some of whom we care about deeply, but they do not always speak the truth of what your Bible declares about who we are. Help us to listen to those voices less and to stand more firmly upon who you say we are so that we are fortified and able to face the trials of life well.
I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go with Jesus.